time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 34 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton, but most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And kiss them too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Coffee, coffee. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? It's a cold brew kind of day. Oh, it definitely is. If you're a fan of delicious coffee and scrumptious scones and other pastries and lunchtime specials and you're local, head on over to Coffee Coffee. You will not be disappointed. Okay, so it is hot. It is. As we know, I'm not a big fan of summer because I complain about it every week. I try not to because I complain about winter. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to deal with heat. Every winter we have this thing where I say, what do I complain about more? The summer or the winter? And I'm not sure what the answer is. So what's been going on over at your house? Well, by the time this episode airs, we may have bantam babies hatched. I know. In the incubator, yeah. We'll see. That's been a really interesting process. Oh, yeah. That's been going on. How are George and Martha settling in? <laughs> George and Martha are ridiculously cute. They are cute. They've settled in really well. George crows incessantly. I see my neighbors going by walking the dogs and they crack up every time they hear George. <laughs> and they eat a lot, right? They are little eating machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're really the cutest things ever. They're beautiful little birds. Yeah. So you're building their run and coop mm-hmm. and everything now to get settled for them to be out. Yeah. So the run is pretty much finished. I'm working on another coop that will go in yet another run. I figure build them now while I can. Yeah. Price of lumber is making me faint, but you know. I know. It was supposed to be coming down. And then Joe uh-huh. went to Home Depot last week to get a piece of wood for the coop that we're fixing. Uh-huh. And he was like, it's $60. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. this is crazy. It is. So yeah, hopefully this weekend, the new coop will be moved into the big run Yay. over here. Yeah. I'm very excited because then the babies will be out all the time. That is also my goal. We've been working on that. So again, by the time this episode airs, my spring pullets will be integrated with their flock and in the big coop. So mine are integrated, but they sleep in the pop-up in the garage at night. And then as soon as they get up in the morning, they go out and spend all day in the run. Mm -hmm. So the coop isn't really big enough. I mean, they could all squish in there, but it's really not comfortable. But that run is huge and there's no reason why you can't have two coops in it. No, it's more mm-hmm. than big enough for two coops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we worked on that, and then that's moving in. So, yeah, we're moving right along. Before we move on, if you're listening to us on Apple or not, and you really are enjoying and loving the show, if you could go to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review, it would be immense. It helps us a lot. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can go to our Etsy shop. Oh, yes, our Etsy shop. It's so fun. We sell our logo mugs Mm -hmm. on there. So if you want to drink coffee like we do when we record, when we work, we're constantly drinking coffee out of our logo mugs or get a long sleeve tea or short sleeve tea. tea. We had the art that's on those t-shirts commissioned. Yeah, they're gorgeous shirts. Go take a look at them. Link in our show notes. Love it. How about we take a second to tell everybody about a a fun new game? Chicken Challengers. It's a cool new card game that you can learn in just about three minutes. All the cards are chicken inspired. Some are based on real breeds. And there's some excellent puns. It's a fast paced and perfect game for your family when you're at the beach. Chicken Challengers. Camping. Chicken Challengers. 
Friday night with friends and wine. Chicken Challengers. Chicken Challengers now available on Amazon. Okay, so now it's time for the Breed Spotlight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very fitting for this week's breed. Yes. This week we are talking about the Hamburg. The Hamburg. The Hamburg. Hamburg is another very, very old breed of chicken. I keep wanting to say the Hamburglar. The Hamburg. The Hamburgs are believed to have come from the Netherlands sometime around 1300. That is way back. That is way back. They were very popular in England for a couple of hundred years as well. They arrived sometime before 1785. Right. And very likely could have been in early America as well. Yes. So L. Frank Baum, mm-hmm. who wrote The Wizard of Oz, There's No Place Like Home, wrote his only nonfiction work on the Hamburg chicken. I bought a reprint of it on Amazon. It's available there. And essentially, he's writing a lot about his experience with the chicken. Wow. And he also makes notes about other sort of chicken scholars at the time. So he was into chickens. He was very much into Hamburgs, yeah. So it's basically him just talking about his experience. Yeah, it's very, very much nonfiction, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just thought that was a funny little anecdote there. You got me with that one. I right? did not know that. I was buying some older chicken books, just, you know, more of research fodder. Right. And that one caught my eye. And I've always liked the Hamburg, so I thought, okay. The Hamburg is a beautiful light-bodied chicken with a rose comb. Yep. White earlobes and blue legs. That's very colorful chicken. It's a, they're very pretty chickens. They come in six color and pattern varieties. The silver spangled, which may be the most popular. The silver penciled. The golden spangled. Okay. The golden penciled, the white, and the black. Lots of colors for you. You know what I feel like when I say these things? Do you ever watch the Philadelphia Dog Show on Thanksgiving? Yeah, of course. John O'Hurley? I feel like John O'Hurley. The golden penciled, the white, (laughs) the black, the silver penciled. Anyway, back to L. Frank Baum in his book. He believes that the black Hamburg may be the oldest variety of the breed. And they're little. Right. Which, so the head's only like four pounds. And the cockerels are about five pounds. Yeah. yeah they're definitely a light breed chicken. They're not phantom, but they're close. Yeah. They're very close. They are. So like a lot of those older, smaller breeds of chicken, the Hamburg were once called pheasant fowl. Okay. They were often known as Yorkshire pheasant fowl and the silver pheasant fowl. Hey, it all goes back to the jungle fowl. No, they are very similar in appearance, in shape and size to the Old English pheasant fowl. Okay. I like these names. Other common names for them in England included the Dutch everyday layer. Okay. Or the Dutch everlasting layer. (laughs) Tells you what you're getting. So they're known to not stop laying early. They lay pretty vigorously throughout. They do. They they don't slow down very quickly. Yeah, which is good. One last little note about the name. Hamburg is a German name. And scholars think it was likely given to the breed in England because they were imported to England through the port at Hamburg, Germany. Right. That makes sense. It all makes sense. And in England, the Hamburg is spelled with an H on the end. So as we were saying, they are excellent layers of white eggs. Yeah. And the blue legs and the white earlobes. So pretty. It's really pretty together. They are. They mature very early. They start laying at about five or six months. Right. Which is is quite early for a heritage breed. It is early, but they're smaller, and I feel like the smaller ones tend to kind of mature a little quicker. Yeah, you're probably right. And here's the thing. They don't go broody, so they're not going to be a good broody hen. With any breed, there are occasional exceptions, but in general, they are not setters. You will want a different breed, like a nankin, (laughs) (laughs) who are known to go broody. Right. They're reasonably winter-hardy birds. Just take precautions to protect those big rose combs, especially on the rooster. Yeah, exactly. They have those big, elaborate rose combs. It's really striking. I was looking at pictures of them. They're Mm -hmm. really pretty. They are very pretty birds, yeah. Very good foragers. 
Not crazy about being confined. Last week we were talking about the Icelandic. Yep. And they're another breed that wants to be out free. Yeah. This is another same, like you're going to have to kind of pencil in that free range time for them. They're not happy if they cannot go out and forage. Or have like a massive run. Doing some supervised free range is actually therapeutic for both the chickens and the chicken it's keepers. It's very nice. It is. It's nice to sit out there with them and watch them. As long as there's not a hawk sitting over you yelling. Yeah. Otherwise, it really exactly. is nice. They have a good reputation for evading predators. Which we kind of know. We can... Right. And we've said many times in our part of the country, that's not really a reliably safe We're thing too to saturated. Mm-hmm. You could evade the hawk here and then turn around and a hawk right here. Right. Where we are. It is a trait of the breed, and sometimes people looking for homestead breeds are looking for that particular trait. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, that generally goes hand-in-hand with a reputation for flightiness. Right. Which, you know, makes sense. To evade predators, they need to react quickly. They take off, they fly. You know, anything that startles them can send them flying. So this is going to be a chicken that you need to handle a lot from day one. Yeah. So, again, it goes back to the old motto, you get out what you put in. Mm -hmm. If you want this chicken to be cuddly and huggly, you have to hold a lot. You just said huggly. Huggly. I like it. (laughs) A huggly chicken. Huggly. Yeah, they're described as cheerful and friendly chickens, but they need to be busy. Yeah. To be happy. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that you really need to put some time in to get them used to being handled. Yeah. It seems like the kind of offset that whole what's bred into them. Mm -hmm. Get them used to your hands and holding them. This is no surprise. The Hamburgs were accepted into the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in 1874, which was the original printing, in the Continental class. A lot of those older Continental breeds do lay white eggs. Yeah. The beautiful little Hamburg fell out of favor as the Leghorn and the Rhode Island Red started to gain traction. It all makes sense. Mm -hmm. You're being replaced by a quicker egg layer, Mm -hmm. a chicken that's about the same size, but it's going to give you double eggs. I wonder, do Leghorns and Rhode Island Reds deal with confinement better than Hamburgs? I think so. I I think you're probably right. I think Leghorns less than Rhode Island Reds. Yeah. I think they're kind of just a step up, Mm -hmm. but they're another chicken. You get what you put in. So, yeah, but I think they probably deal with it much better. And at that time... Both the Leghorn and the Rhode Island Red <laughs> were being line bred for egg production. Oh, yes. So the beautiful hamburger is currently in the watch category of the Livestock Conservancy's poultry conservation list. So everybody has to do their part. If you like this chicken, go out. You can check the breeder's directory for stock. Mm-hmm. If you want a pet quality chicken, go to My Pet Chicken. Several other hatcheries sell them also. Yeah. If you're looking to breed for conservation, I agree. Go to the Livestock Conservancy's breeder directory. Plug in your zip code see if there are any breeders in your area. Check Facebook for different groups. I didn't have a lot of luck finding clubs for this breed. I think they're just like an older breed that Mm -hmm. kind of fell out. They're very pretty. They're very beautiful chickens, but sometimes I feel like people are steered away from the thought that they might be flighty. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to get past it. flighty means different things to different people. Some people say a breed is flighty dismissively, like they use it to mean not friendly. Exactly. When in reality, it means they have an excellent startle reflex and that helps to keep them alive. Yeah. And known to be like the other thing that could be scaring people off is they don't like confinement. Right. So like I said, you have to schedule in a time Mm -hmm. to let them be and and have it supervised. Right. But those types of things, we don't want any chicken to be on any watch or extinction list or anything. So if you look them up and you look at them, they're cute little chickens. They really are. And give them a chance. They've been around since forever. And they have blue legs. How can you go wrong? Pearl earrings and blue legs. Yeah, totally. They're really pretty. (laughs) Okay, so it's about that time. We're going to go across the pond and have coffee Coffee with with Fiona. Fiona. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> How are you this week, Fiona? Really good, really good. good. The chicks are out there. It's still raining, but we can't have everything. So the running around, we've got them all over the place now. How's the little Brahma? The little Brahma's doing well, keeping up, running around. I'm ever so pleased. Aww. So getting a little bit more difficult to tell the Brahma from the others. <laughs> she stands still, to be honest, so we can spot the feathery legs. Oh, you're like, where are these feathery legs coming from? Oh. It was just so strange looking at that little chick when it was hatched, thinking, that's not an Orpington. <laughs> you're like am i losing my mind well you know you have these thoughts is the you know did they mix an egg in that we shouldn't have had it was right. is there a recessive gene going on there that we don't know about but no it was definitely a brahma definitely a brahma <laughs> but it's going to be interesting to see what it grows up to be whether what color it turns out to be because it could yes. be one of three as we discussed last week so yeah i'm quite That's excited amazing. actually it kind of puts a little spark into everything like yeah it's gonna happen Brahmas are my breed. They're my can't do without breed. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could um, take that baby from you. Can you pick up that noise, by the way? That's Royal Air Force flying over the house. Wow. Wow. Are they just like doing maneuvers and exercises? Lincolnshire, the county we live in the UK, is one of the big RAF counties in the uh, UK okay. because it's so flat. Mm-hmm. So it's got most of the UK squadrons in, in this area. I mean, there are okay. others around the UK, but the big Air Force bases around this area. Wow. Nice. In this week's Birdie Report, what are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about sexing chicks, actually, because oh, I get boy. asked a lot about that, too. Are they girls? Oh, yes. Are they boys? That seems to be, this time of the year, the main question across social media with a picture. Do you think this is a girl right. or do you think it's a boy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot so, of the time, it depends on the breed, doesn't it? That's the yeah. thing. Most yes. definitely. And, you know, there are some breeds that are auto-sexing. So as soon as they come out, they're going to be noticeably a girl or a boy. So, And we have two of those. We've got Well Summers and we've got the Crested Cream Leg Bar, which I know you guys have as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. And basically, I have a Well Summer. She was the mystery Talk, chicken. That was definitely a oh, chick mix up. Do, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. She was visibly different than the other chicks in the bin. She was the only one that looked like that way. And of course, mm-hmm. Sophia had to have her. <laughs> yeah. It's so cute, though. <laughs> the bin of Olivegers and then Gertie. And we must have the one that looks different. Well, I will say, after getting to know Gertie, I really like the Well Summers as well. They're oh, really yeah. nice chickens. Oh, yeah. Really nice temperaments. I can't wait for ours to grow up, actually. I'm really looking we forward to it. We can't either. We can see all the photos. I know. Okay, so when it comes to chick sexing a breed like the Orpington. Yeah, that's where it gets interesting. I get asked so often. And it's it's actually really difficult. So mm-hmm. even though I've had them for years, even though we've been hatching them for years, it's a guessing game. And we have this wonderful game of guess the cockerel. Yes. And it really does go along the lines of when they're hatched, not a chance. There's no way ever we can tell which is which. Right. At two weeks old, we can probably tell maybe 10% because mm-hmm. there's various characteristics, mainly mm-hmm. the thick legs that come in because cockerels have tree stump legs. They really do. To hens, skinny little Oh, legs. yes. <laughs> yeah. But even at two weeks, those tree stump legs haven't really come in too much. Right. And by week three, it's 20%. Week four, it's 40%. Mm-hmm. And then in week five, it becomes hard. Well, let me explain. This is one of the weird things. So at week four, 
you've got a different center of gravity. So cockerels stand upright more. Right. And actually, if you see cockerels, young cockerels trying to stand still, you'll notice they rock a little bit because the center of gravity takes a long time for them to get used to it. Yeah. Wow. It's much higher on a cockerel. Yeah. 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 I mean, even at 10 or 11 weeks, they're still not quite used to it. So they can't actually stand still very easily. So that's a sure sign. Mm -hmm. So they've got these thick legs, strange center of gravity, whereas the hens are really comfortable because they're more horizontal than vertical. Exactly. Yeah. Their tails don't come in as quickly as the hens we've found. So you'll notice they've got downy round bottoms, whereas the, right. the young hens are developing lovely kind of pom-pom tough tails and the eggs are pretty. And then the other thing is at week four is the young hens have got these lovely long sweeping wings and their yes. flight feathers come in earlier. But then you come to week five. And the cockerel's wing feathers sweep in and they've got their flight feathers <laughs> coming in too. And the tails come in too. So actually, you've, you've lost those two characteristics that helps you guess. Okay. But their combs and their wattles start to come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of them start going red as early as week five. Right. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but some of them. So by the time we've got to week 10, we can tell nearly every single one is either cockerel or hen. But there's always one that's really difficult to tell (laughs) when you get into the last minute. Yeah, exactly. When they start crowing at, well, if we've got lots of young cockerels, they can start crowing as early as week 12. If we've only got a few, they'll start crowing about week 16. That's why we thought Mary Berry was perhaps Paul Hollywood. And I saw that picture and I said cockle too. Yes. We have to wait a minute for Christy to finish patting herself on the back because she was right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm literally doing it right now. But two weeks later, that was all out the window again because clearly her waddles hadn't gotten any longer. The comb wasn't lengthening. Even if you have girls, they can somewhat mature a little quicker than somebody else. Mm-hmm. Just like in people, not yeah. it's not like 100% the right. same across the board. So if somebody jumps out, they might be a little bigger. Their mm-hmm. common waddles might be a little bit larger first. And then they all kind of catch up by the right. end. So we were talking yeah. before, with sexing, you either want to know right away when they first come out, whether or not they're going to lay. Absolutely. We were talking about the crested cream leg bars, weren't we? Yeah, right. Because they're auto-sexing. So at day one, you know Mm -hmm. whether they're girls or boys. But we're at week five. And to be honest, I find it quite hard to pick the one girl out of the four anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, Mm -hmm. here with getting a one-day-old chick, for people who must have hens, right? That's yeah. a good thing to get from a hatchery, a good chicken, a yes. good choice, because yes. when they're hatched, you can tell instantly what they are. Right. And then Absolutely. that way there isn't a, you get a chicken and then all of a sudden you have a rooster and what to do with, you know, having the rooster plan. So that's one of the good things. That honestly, even though we're not talking about Crested Cream Labors this episode, they are just an amazing breed <laughs> all around. Oh, we love ours. Everything about them. We love ours. Can you tell? Right. They're wonderful. So friendly. They were once described to me as being flighty. Now, I don't think oh, flighty. I just no. think they're animated yes. and friendly. Yes. I mean, flighty to yeah. me means that they're jumping at their own shadow and exactly. you know, scared and running away. But actually, they run at you, not they away do. from you. 
They're so friendly. They're so sweet and funny and those eggs and everything about them. And I have two and they look completely different. They do look very, mine, mine look you very know, different. You know, so that well. they have little characteristics like Cornelia. She has like the flame crest and Peggy just <laughs> has the big bouffant crest. It's like yeah. they all have different characteristics. So, And the we fact have that, one with a beard. That's right. Which See? girl is that? That's Moye. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, Moye was supposed to hatch and she broke. No, man. She did. She broke four days before Hatch was due. But it was okay because Laurel, one of the Orpingtons, was in a coop that wasn't ideal as a brood coop anyway. So we just moved her into the coop that Moye was in, which was perfect. And she got the eggs that she was going to get, which were the well summers, mm-hmm. plus the barn of elder eggs that Moye was going to get. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it worked out all for the best. That's great. That's one of those things we talk about. Always mm-hmm. be prepared. Anything can happen. That's for sure. So at five weeks, it's all that mess of an area of not really knowing. Right. But, you know, it beginning is. and end. It doesn't end. last long. It is what I'm going to be watching for now is those little red wattles coming in and only some of the young cockles have got it. And that strange center of gravity, this all right. swaying motion that they do. And it's right. only when they stand still, they can run fine. But have you never noticed the young cockles, the young roosters, actually, it's almost like their feet are too big for them as well? Yes. Yes. Isn't that strange? And, it's funny. And their body shape is usually way different. And the other thing, and this was something I either read along the way or someone told me, is with comb development, if the comb on the cockerel is just rounded from point of start to the very back, that's more of a cockerel thing. Now, if there's a little slant in the front first and then it goes to the comb in the back, that's more of a hen comb. I think that's breed specific. I don't know. I see it in a lot yeah. of them. With the Orpingtons, I see the serrations on the comb coming in much, much earlier in the, right. in the cockerels. You don't see the little tiny, like, it's like a little slant burst and then going into the comb. Not all, not no. all combs look like that. Like with the Jersey Giant, it was the serrations first. I mean, Ricardo, yeah. it really clearly popped up. Yeah. But I think there are some breeds. I know what you're talking about. I think some, there are some breeds that that applies to. Yeah. Like some of the ones I have, it definitely does. Mm-hmm. I'll have a look at that. The reason I was saying it's breed specific is because I've spent so many hours in the standard of perfection lately. And it's just interesting the way they describe how the comb starts in the front. It's like a big thing between all the different breeds. It can be, yeah. 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 It's the wattles that I tend to look for more than anything in the sexing on the Orpingtons. Because they do go red so early. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's (laughs) how Mary Berry fooled us. Not me. She fooled me. She very much (laughs) fooled me. Oh, yeah, I remember that day. I was like, give her time. <laughs> Point one for Chrissy. Yes. And honestly, a- I'm more than happy to have lost that one. I adore yeah, Mary Berry. Actually, that's a, a win. If you're going to lose one, so. it really is. If yeah. you're going to lose one, that's the one that to lose. That was good to lose. Yeah, yeah that's, exactly. That's the best argument or bet or whatever you want to call it you <laughs> yes. right? ever have because yes. both of you win no matter what. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Any other questions for Fiona this week? Fiona's pretty much described my experience yeah. of chicks growing out. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, the thing is, if you if you really want to know on day one, go for one of the auto-sexing breeds. Right. But the only thing I would say, and, you know, we discussed this before the podcast, is that with the cream leg bars, it's a case of if you're sure it's a girl, it's a girl. If you're not sure it's a girl, it's definitely a boy. 
Yes. <laughs> right. Because the female markings are so clear. They're on so distinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so many times we've had a case of, well, it could be a girl. We think it's a girl, but we're not quite sure. It's always a boy. Yeah. In that case, it's always a boy. Yeah. And you said you went back to your notes and found that, which is another argument for keeping very good records as you breed every year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had Halumi, obviously, who we had the unfortunate, we lost her. Um, We managed to hatch four of her eggs. And of those four, there was one definite girl, two definite boys, and one could be, couldn't, maybe not. And, you know, as you said, I went back to previous hatchings, previous years for the other hatchings of cream leg bars. And that's when I realized if it's definitely a girl, it's definitely a girl. If it's definitely a boy or we're not sure if it's a girl, it's definitely a boy. (laughs) (laughs) And really, this conversation confirms that there is no magic sexing bullet. I mean, there are professionals that do it on day one. Yes. If you need to know yourself, you go with an auto-sexing breed. Other than that, it's a waiting game and there's no magic bullet that's going to tell you exactly what you have. Exactly. Absolutely. There are people who have paid extremely good money for those breeds that you're not supposed to be able to sex who can do it on day one. Right. And do it with a pretty good degree of accuracy, but yes. I'm not one of them. Here in the States, the pullets, when you get them, when they have the pullets in the store, it's supposed to be at 90% accuracy for day one. Um, Is that your experience when you brought them home? For um, me, nine times not one would. Yes. I would say so. We've gotten a couple batches of straight run where we knew we were going to have some roosters and somehow we ended up with eight hens and two roosters. That was just luck. And then every other time, if I've gotten them from the feed store, et cetera, I think that averages out about right. I'd say we probably bought from hatcheries or stores about eight to 10 times and we got one unexpected cockerel, Ricardo Montalban. He's, and he was the only fantastic. one. Yeah. yeah. And for me, knock on wood, seven times. Yeah. And you haven't, fantastic. I haven't had one yet. It's a wonderful skill if you've got it. They got to be dreaming of his... chicks at night, though. Yeah. <laughs> There's very few people out there that can actually do that. What an interesting thing to put on your resume. No, I am told that they're paid very well, but what yes. that means, I don't actually know. We have also heard that they're paid extremely well and they're in very high demand. So. Well, I mean, it have to be because these stores don't want everybody coming back to them. Somebody buys four pullets and they get three roos. That would just be terrible luck. We should try to find someone who does this and interview them. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd love that. would be to great. I'm gonna if make any of our here. listeners are out there and, and you, you know someone who does it professionally or you do, contact us. Absolutely. Okay, Fiona. It was great for this week's Broody Report. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Okay. As always, thank you, Fiona. And we will talk to you next week. Okay. So now it's that time that we're going to move on to our main topic for today. And we've had some really good main topics and things that are really interesting to us and are really fun to look into. This week is no exception. Yeah, we've been wanting to do this episode for a while. This has been on our list from the beginning, mm-hmm. basically. And it's the chicken eye. Yeah. Just another amazing thing about the chicken. This is a thing. People discount chickens in so many different ways. Yes. But they're a compact little machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even if we look back to last week talking about They're the last known thing linked to dinosaurs on this earth. Right. They have the closest DNA to the dinosaur. Exactly. Living species. So it's amazing when you look in deeper to their little bodies and how they work. Yeah. So chickens have seriously intense eyes anyway. You know, they look at you with this. Oh, my goodness. Speedy eye. Oh, yeah. So domestic chickens are supposed to have eyes in one of four colors. Right. 
like golden orange, mm-hmm. copper red, brown, or black. Yeah. When they look at you, they have the red eyes. It's kind of crazy. I only have a couple chickens with the red eye. My eclair yeah. has a red yeah. eye. Almost everyone else I'm has I'm trying to golden. think the buffs have like orangish color eyes. That's the golden orange. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the really interesting things about the chicken eyelid, and if you've been around chickens for any length of time, you will have noticed this, is the third eyelid, technically called the nictitating membrane. Right. It's a transparent membrane, and it slides horizontally, so it goes from front to back. Yep. It's for protection. Right. Interestingly enough, the nictitating membrane has a gland that lubricates the eye as well. Yeah. When you think about this, your chickens are in dirt all day long. Oh, yeah. They're kicking. That's what they do. (laughs) Yes, they do. They scratch. They Mm -hmm. kick. They don't take a water bath. They take a dust bath. Right. Their eyes need protection. Right. So they blink with this. It lubricates the eye. It helps protect them and keep dust and dirt out of the eye. Exactly. It's a pretty nifty thing to have evolved. Yeah. Here's the next thing. Chickens see color. They see more colors and they see colors better than we do. We and they have, also see light better than us. They do. So we have three cones in our eyes that allow us to see red, blue, and green and right. variations of those shades. Chickens are tetrachromatic. So they have all three of those plus one that allows them to see ultraviolet light, ultraviolet which light. helps mm-hmm. them to see the sunrise sooner, which goes back to the rooster crowing right. early. Right. Your rooster is crowing at 3 a.m. because he can see ultraviolet light exactly. way before you can. There are about 100 other reasons for crowing roosters as well, but that's a big one. <laughs> So if you put these four cones together, it lets chickens see many more shades of color than we do. Exactly. That fascinates me. What does that look like? It's amazing. Think of like rainbow. They're seeing like so many different colors Mm -hmm. that we don't even know exist. Yeah. That aren't in our rainbow that we think we have this fantastic eye. Right. When they find a bug, Mm -hmm. you're not seeing what they're eating. Funny you should mention that because in addition to those four cones, the chicken retina also has a double cone receptor that is excellent at detecting and following motion. And that's what they use to find these bugs that you're not even knowing exist. Yes, it makes them incredibly good bug catchers. I can see that being something that evolved from dinosaurs. Oh, yes. Everything about this. I mean, it's unlike most other animals. Yeah, it really is. This was interesting to me, too. So in total, chickens have five different kinds of cones in their eye. Scientists found that the cones are distributed throughout the retina randomly, but two of the same cone are never next to each other, and that maximizes the effectiveness of the five different cones. Right. It just boggles my mind. What are they seeing? I really would like to know what they're seeing. Well, here's the thing. Their eyes work independently of each other. Each eye can perform different jobs. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yes. And it connects to the brain individually. So I love this too. Because of this, chickens can sleep with one eye open. It's a legit thing. One eye watches and the other eye and the other half of the brain are asleep. Yeah. Don't tell me that chickens are stupid. No. There's nothing nothing stupid about a chicken. (laughs) No, they're amazing. I mean, they've kind of gotten a bum rap through all these years for sure. Yeah, they really have. But the fact that Each eye can work independently Mm -hmm. of each other and then control other parts of the brain also. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And they're seeing way more colors than us, way more light than us. I really wish I had this because the thought of being able to keep an eye open while the other half of my brain is asleep. (laughs) I really like the sound of this. I really do. (laughs) You'd be like, what is going on over here? You can't see us, but we're looking all around. Are you asleep? No, I'm just resting my one eye. (laughs) My one eye is resting. (laughs) I have my other eye on you. It's good for kids. Very. I'm going to go sleep and keep this other eye on you the whole time. (laughs) Here's another interesting fact. Mm -hmm. One eye is nearsighted and the other eye is farsighted. 
Yeah. And I have read in numerous places that this is because before hatching, the chick moves so that its right eye is closest to the shell and reacts to light while the left eye faces inward. And I will tell you, while I'm candling eggs right now with the nankins, right. I do see movement in there. It's really fascinating. You can see the eyes of the chicken embryo very early on. Wow. It's pretty really, cool. really interesting. You imagine having to get glasses if you're a chicken. <laughs> you need two different lenses. Maybe they don't need glasses because their <laughs> eyes are so much better than ours are. So because their eyes are in the side of their head, they have 300 degree range of vision. Amazing. And that's true for a lot of prey animals who need to yeah. evade predators, horses, yeah. sheep, all of those animals. You can almost see completely around you, but not right. quite. <laughs> well, and we are technically classed as predators, so our eyes are in front. Yeah. Kind of interesting. So, how did chickens end up with such amazingly advanced vision, but then they still don't see well at night? It's amazing because it's light. Right. It's the lack of light it's that the they can't see. Right. And so, some scientists theorize that because chickens were dinosaurs... And if you need to learn more about this, listen to last week's episode. Yeah. Some scientists theorize that chickens are dinosaurs, so they never had to hide during the day and hunt nocturnally like most mammals during the same period. In other words, they slept. They slept. So they did not evolve <laughs> the ability to see well at night. So they're more like people than everybody wants to think. In that regard, they really are. They close mm-hmm. their eyes and they go to sleep. They close their one eye. Yeah, close their one eye. <laughs> I would, go to sleep at night. I would imagine at night they probably could just close both eyes and really go to sleep. In the good coop mm-hmm. and they're really rested. They're like, they're knocked out, man. Yeah. They they're are. like, and they're dreaming of like scratching the next day and stuff. I wonder what do they dream and what they dream. They have Corn. to dream of like, yes, treats, the watermelons the coming. Yeah. <laughs> so the chicken eye, while it's usually remarkably healthy and amazing, there are some issues that can affect it. Oh, yeah. Chickens can get conjunctivitis. As in anybody. Mm-hmm. They can also get a parasite in their eye. We were talking about this, and this is a little gross. It's a little gross, yeah. It's called a threadworm or an eye worm. Oh. They are visible to the naked eye. You can go to your veterinarian for treatment, and it's actually passed by your chicken eating an infected cockroach. That is disgusting. It's really gross. Ah. Yeah. There's also an ocular manifestation of Marek's disease. Yes, we talked about that before. Yeah, the iris will turn gray. And and of course, chicken eyes can be damaged by accidents of fighting. Oh, anything. They can get poked by something in the run. Yes. They're excellent, but they're not foolproof. Right. My Katsumoto is one of our rescue roosters. Basically has one eye. He lost most of his vision in one eye from a fight. So I wonder which eye he, if it was the farsighted or the nearsighted that he has. I'm guessing that it is the... Does he see well at a certain, like, further or closer? I think he closer? sees better close up. Okay. So I'm guessing it's the far away eye that was damaged. Okay. But he does this funny thing when he's trying to look at any distance where he cocks his head around. And you can tell he's trying to turn the non-damaged part of that eye yeah. towards you to see what's going on. Yeah. But he gets around very, very well. He's very happy, has excellent quality of Animals life. Animals do not have that feel sorry for themselves mentality oh, no. at all. No. So when we used to do surgeries on a dog and take a leg off or anything, they mm-hmm. would get up and walk the next day. Like, yeah. didn't even happen. Exactly. And it's like they don't have that in them to feel right. sorry. So right. he's just like, okay, I got to go on with life. Exactly. I mean, when he came to us, that eye was infected. Yeah. And so it took several weeks of two to three times a day care. Yeah. I actually didn't think he'd have any vision, but he does still have some vision in the eye. He can see those streets. He can see those little pullets, too. <laughs> he has got his eye on those girls. Uh, he's like, bring them in here. Uh, he's like, hey, baby, <laughs> what you doing? 
Look, look, I got a scar. <laughs> he calls him a pirate. So, in conclusion, eyes on the chicken are amazing. We can't say enough good things about the eyes. Yep. And, and they're beautiful, really. They're beautiful. They function way better than ours do. Right. It's amazing. Yeah, doing the research for this segment was super, super fun. It, I mean, it's really cool how they work and how well they work at that. There are even details that we left out because, you know... It's just too much. It's just too much. But yeah. if you have any time to read any article about the chicken eye and how it works, oh, it's go amazing. do it. Yeah, you will not be sorry. Okay, so I guess it's time for... Cracking the eggs. Let's crack those eggs. And so this week, we're doing classic vanilla pudding. Yeah, this one was your idea. <laughs> I go for simple. I can't help it. Well, this it. one was your idea, and then I had to develop the recipe, <laughs> which was fine. I like doing it. And it's really, really good. Classic vanilla pudding, you can make it dressy, or you can just have classic vanilla pudding. Yes, you can just have a bowl of pudding. Or you can do what I do, and I layered it in a parfait glass with raspberries and whipped cream. Yeah. And oh, my heavens, was it good. You can turn it into something spectacular yeah. and start with something simple. Mm-hmm. I tend to like things that are more simple when it comes to eating because I feel like you taste more what you're supposed yeah. to taste. And you definitely taste fresh eggs in here. I mean, this is a six-ingredient delicious homemade vanilla pudding. And I always think that pudding is a great dessert for this time of the year. Yeah, it's not super heavy. You make it's it on cream, the stove. It's cool, yeah. You know, it's cool. You can add some whipped topping. Yeah, it was fantastic. With And of course, because I have celiac disease, I was using fake whipped cream, but it was still yeah. delicious. The kids, we always make it fun to put some sprinkles in it. Yeah. It's a nice, easy one. So the six ingredients are milk, and you can use regular dairy, or I used soy milk. Yeah. And it worked just fine. Cornstarch, some granulated sugar, an egg, butter. Again, I used, I actually used country crock dairy-free butter. It worked really well. Vanilla paste or extract? I always get my vanilla in Mexico too. Oh, I bet. Canela Molita. I'm going to bring you some back this year. Yes, please. (laughs) It's the the real stuff. The real stuff. It's amazing. So I did use vanilla paste for this recipe. I feel like I like the little flecks of vanilla in there. Oh, yeah. The intense taste from vanilla paste is It's a little stronger. It is. Though, if you did vanilla extract, it would be absolutely fine. Yeah. So, again, you do this pretty much on the stovetop. It doesn't take that long. No. It's simple, easy, quick. You simmer your milk. Whatever kind of milk you're using, you bring that to a simmer. So, it's it's steaming and just starting to bubble around the edges. And then, in a dish, you'll have the cornstarch and sugar. And you're going to add that hot milk a little bit at a time. Let's tell everybody about cornstarch. That's the thickener. Exactly. It does the heavy lifting in this recipe. Yeah. You don't want it to get lumpy. No. So you're going to stir the hot milk into the cornstarch and sugar a little at a time. Right. Keep adding the milk until it's dissolved. It's like tempering eggs. Funny you should say that. (laughs) Because once you have dissolved your cornstarch, you mix that back in. And your next step, you're going to temper your eggs. It's like the same process, just over again. It really again. is, except you're just trying to get your eggs to blend, where with the cornstarch, you're trying to not make lumps. Exactly. But it's exactly the same. You beat your eggs in a bowl. You add your hot milk bit by bit until the eggs are warmed and can be added back to the milk in the saucepan. And again, we've talked about this before in the past, but tempering your eggs is basically cooking them in the warm milk or yeah. warm, warm so sauce not, of any kind so they don't curdle. So they don't curdle, yes, because that would ruin your pudding. That it would be would very not, like scrambled uh, egg pudding. That would not be good. That would be gross. <laughs> so once you have those things mixed in there, you're going to bring this to a boil. You'll take it off the heat and then you mix in your butter and vanilla. In whatever form of vanilla you're using. That's right. And then you allow it to cool. What I do with mine is put them in little ramekin bowls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can do that. 
And then put them on the fridge and yep. let them get cold. You can put it in your serving dishes right away, or you can leave it in the bowl, but put some plastic wrap on the top of it. You don't want it to form a skin, so you put the plastic wrap on top to help stop that from happening. Yeah, I just do it. I just put it in the ramekins first, yeah, you can and then do- put the plastic wrap over that. That works just as well. Uh, and then you chill it completely and serve it. And then top it as you like. Yeah, it's I mean, good. Either have it plain or top it with whatever you want. It doesn't taste like vanilla pudding out of a box. No. I mean, it really tastes different, and it tastes really Everything's good. Everything's fresh you're using. It's great. A lot of pudding recipes only use egg yolks, mm-hmm. but we developed one that used whole eggs because you know how I feel about separating eggs when you don't I, need to. Yeah, exactly. And I think it makes this pudding richer. Yeah, and you know what? I think pudding's great for picnics in the summertime. Oh, yeah. Everything. You can put anything with them. You can dress it up, dress it down. I just love pudding. I mean, you can make a uh, summer fruit trifle with it. Yeah. You can do Serve so many it with things. fruit, whatever. Parfait. Yeah. So, again, if you make this, put a picture out. Yeah, we love, love seeing them. Mm-hmm. Definitely will give you a story. Okay, so now it's time for retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So this week's retail therapy, Holly Ann, what are we doing? We are doing a company called Roosties. Yes. Roosties makes nesting pads. Yes, they do. And they're super great. They sent us each a set of them. I love mine. Yeah. So they're sold in six packs. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So they're a soft plastic, which is one of the things I really like about them. I actually did not think I was going to like them. I didn't either. I love them. I've never used nesting pads in all the years I've had chickens. Me either. So as we go into year 21 of chickens, I put nesting pads in my coop for the first time, these Roosties pads, and I don't want to be without them. I think they're great because so far, like, it's easier to clean out the nesting box. It is. For the interest of full disclosure, we both put them in our boxes and then we put shavings over top of them. Yes. A little bit, a little light Mm -hmm. layer of shavings over top. Mm -hmm. And that's just so that the chickens were getting used to it with the, under their feet and everything. Right, right. And so what we have found, both of us, is that when we need to clean out a nest box, you just pull the pad out and almost everything comes with the pad. Shake it off and then you put the new shavings in. You can also say an egg got broken somehow. Mm-hmm. You can just hose it off. Yeah. It's easy to wash. It dries. goes right exactly. back Exactly. I love it. I don't like scraping stuff off oh, the bottom of those no. nesting boxes. The nesting boxes are hard to get in to clean yeah. in the first place. Yeah, they are. So having those pads in, and here's the other thing. They cut to the shape so easily. It was really easy. The knife went through it like butter. Yeah. I just trimmed a couple inches off one side, and they fit my boxes perfectly. Yeah. I just used a pair of scissors. I had a little corner to cut. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. It just cut very easily. And honestly, I went in not thinking I was going to like them, but I love them in the nesting boxes. And I don't really want to be without them now. I know. I had the same thought. I've never used them. I never liked the idea of them, but they're fantastic. We've talked about them many times. Yes. And it it does have a benefit. I mean, they're easy, much easier to clean. My girls are like nest box terrors. (laughs) They go into the nest box and they kick all the bedding out. And then what happens is somebody, the next, you know, the second or third girl in line lays an egg, it hits the wood, it cracks. Yeah. And then you've got a giant mess. And as we just said, it's really hard to clean up. Well, with the nesting pads in there, if the girls start kicking sawdust all around, it's not bare wood. And the way this fits in there, they cannot kick this out. No, they can't get it out. And so I've had no cracked eggs in the past week or two that I've had the pads in the boxes. Yeah, it's amazing. And it happens in both of my big layer hen coops. Mm -hmm. Both of them do it. Mm -hmm. So. I love these. Don't know why I waited for so long. Roosty's pads are... They're softer than the ones I've felt before. They're definitely soft. They are very easy to clean. 
They're not going to harbor mites, so that's a good thing. And they're easy to get. Yeah. You can go right on Amazon. Yeah. In fact, we have them on our Amazon storefront. Yes, we and do. And a direct link to them in our show notes. And they do have a website also. Roosties does have a website. Yes, I've linked to that in our show notes as well. So you can find them right there. Mm-hmm. You can see the other products they have on offer. Yeah, exactly. So all in all, thank you, Roosties. You have absolutely converted us to the use of Nest Box Pads. Love us some Roosties. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before we go, what should we tell everybody we're talking about next week? Next week, we're talking about another fantastic heritage breed, the Hooden. Hooden, Hooden, Hooden. Yes. <laughs> I cannot stop saying that I when you know. say it. Every time I say that name. We're doing a roundtable with Fiona the Floof Lady, and we're going nice. to talk all about parasites and deworming your chickens. Nice. We're talking about poop again with Fiona. Right. Maybe don't eat lunch while we're having this discussion. <laughs> Our recipe is another seasonal summer favorite, blueberry buckle. Yes. And our retail therapy is the chicken love box. Yay! Chicken love box. They get a song, too? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for next week. Okay. So until next time, everybody. Hug your chickens every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.